Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben NS, Brent Gunning. Leafs cracking tonight. Nothing official yet, but gotta figure it's Joseph Wall and Net tonight, right? Like, what is so actually? I'll just pose sure, it to you. What yeah. are we? What are we doing here? Because there were moments early in the season where it was like, "Hey, ride the hot hand." Mm-hmm. Um, People got very angry at me for saying that exact thing after a okay start from Joe Wall. They're mm-hmm. like, "It's not hot." It's lukewarm at best. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, relax. Don't get so mad at me. I think it's pretty hot, though, after uh, Tuesday's game mm-hmm. against the Florida Panthers. He was the reason why they were able to escape the opening 20 minutes, only down one to nothing. That was the only goal he allowed in the whole hockey game, allowing the Leafs to pick up yet another victory not in regulation. Um, what are we doing here? Are we doing the alternating starts thing? Is this uh, an attempt to, to recreate what the Bruins have made successful over the last year and a half? Or are we back again to hoping one of the guys, one of these two um, goalies that have mm, interesting futures or mm-hmm. potential futures with this hockey team takes the reins as as the the quote-unquote number one, whatever that means in, in 2023? If it were me. Joe Wall would get the start tonight. I like the game he had. He held them in that game against the Panthers. But I also think you have to color this conversation with the game that's lurking on Saturday because whoever you think is your number one, that's the one they're starting. Now, I think for me, the reason I want Joe Wall to start tonight is because I want him to play well tonight and be rolling into that Boston game feeling good. Guess what? You can play three games in a week. He's not going to die. Okay. Uh, having said that, I do wonder if they look to go, okay, it's Samsonov best case scenario. He gets hot. We can stick with him for Saturday. Worst case scenario. You go back the wall on, on Saturday. So that that's the way I would, would play it out. Other interesting, just stat this season, Toronto is five Oh and O on the season when the goaltender is making their second consecutive start. This year, uh, the third one hasn't been so great. I don't have the numbers for that, but it's just anytime it's been the second of consecutive starts, at least perfect this year. Well, that's interesting because when it's been the second consecutive, and I guess outside of the the first two games of the season where Samsonov got the, the starting yeah. game number two after a pretty lackluster performance against the Montreal Canadiens, mm-hmm. generally you're getting a second consecutive start because you've been good in yep. the first start. Mm-hmm which would be the case tonight if it is Joseph Wall. But I'm... That's where I, I'd go. I, I'm i not against giving somebody a run here. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it does become quite a discussion, and I'm sure it's not going to make Ilya Samsonov feel so great, a guy that, again, mm-hmm. is getting nervous against his former team who probably feels aggrieved that he was not given a long-term extension, had to go to arbitration after a career season and leading the Maple Leafs to their first postseason victory in mm-hmm. near a decade a season ago um his feelings might be hurt if if he watches um joseph wall get three consecutive starts and get the start on hockey night in canada against your division original six rival yeah. the boston bruins but it's winning time baby Fun. like i i just i and to to the point you made, I think the other day when yeah. we were talking about, hey, do you want to emulate the Bruins uh, system that they've yeah. got going on with great. the goalies? No, it was so great. During the regular season, it was great. Eventually, somebody's got to be the number one. You're not doing that in a postseason series. You need a guy. And I know it's it's only late November, early December here, but that's okay. Like yep. let let's start uh, getting some pecking order. Totally in order. I I would love nothing more than Seawall tonight, him play well, back at it for Saturday against Boston. That's the way I would go about it. Who knows what they do, though? We'll see. Um, 
We'll see how they line up the, the blue line tonight. No Mark Giordano again in the lineup. Hey, they told us exactly where he's injured. It's his hand. Mm. So he's going to be out. That's very funny because I saw upper and lower, and I wonder if it's like, well, it's technically in his upper body, but if he's standing he with his arms at his side, <laughs> it's below the waist. So what do you do there? Yeah. It's an uh, appendage injury. Yeah. So he's he's got an injured hand, so he will not play in tonight's game and, and possibly beyond that. Doesn't, it's tough for a Kraken legend like himself. <laughs> That's true. Was he the captain? Yeah, first captain in franchise history. Yeah, I, I forgot about that. Yeah, but again, yeah, guess what? I, I guess, don't think about the Kraken yeah, at guess, all. Guess what? Him too. It's yeah, like, I was? Great. <laughs> so, yeah, he, get, he doesn't get to face his former team. Um, and I guess the, the, the fit tonight is easy enough with Connor Timmons back that you just throw William, your favorite, and <sighs> Matt Sundin's Lagerson, but yeah, L- William right. Lagerson. Oh, yeah, and Jan Kruk. I mean... How long can you roll a bottom four that is Loggison, McCabe, Benoit, Connor Timmins? <sighs> I think it's going to get a lot less long when the Boston Bruins are done with them on Saturday night is probably the best way to answer that question. It is not like any one of those guys can play. Two of them, like McCabe and any one of those other guys can play. That's fine. But three of them is just asking a lot. And Connor Timmons is a guy you can have in your lineup, but you just got to be able to shelter him. And you can't shelter anybody with this group right now. And I think that's part of the problem. At least you're having with their bottom guys. It's like they all could be fine if they could be sheltered, but you can't shelter everyone. Yeah, you're right. You can't shelter everyone. And I I would implore people to read Justin Bourne's latest on sportsnet.ca about you know, evaluating some of the advanced numbers, some of the play, uh, mm-hmm. player tracking statistics out of this this Leafs lineup, and specifically the defensemen, and how they've actually broken it out of their own zone at a better rate than you would have anticipated. Problem is keeping it in the offensive zone. I would say that, okay, the blue line needs to be better, and we just outlined in the 6 o'clock hour the, the number of moves that need to be made mm-hmm. amongst the defensemen before the deadline. What stood out, for me, from Bourne's latest, was that on four checks that stop their opponent from reaching the neutral zone, so this is on the forwards, on mm-hmm. four checks, Toronto Maple Leafs are 25th in the National Hockey League. Yep. They are so often one and done in the offensive zone. Mm-hmm. It's on the forwards to have sustained offensive pressure so that, yeah, we don't have to watch Connor Timmins try and break it out of the, the D zone. Well, and part of that, like I'm not taking anything or I'm not, I'm not taking any of the blame away from the players that are on this team. Like for checking is a lot of times an effort issue, but it's also a personnel issue. Like, Go ahead, look at this team. There are a handful of guys who you look at and say, okay, that should be a good four-checker. Like Matthew Nyes, you should like that. Size, speed, Bertuzzi. Well, the foot speed's a little questionable. Like, that's not going to be a strength of his game. He has the right attitude and mindset for it, but not anything that he, you know, is is a staple of his game. Yarncrock, okay. Gregor, he's fast, so he can get in there. But they don't have the, you know, like, for all we talk about Zach Hyman and all the good work he did, that was the best thing he did. He might be the best four-checker in the league. You, you lose a guy like that Michael Bunting he would get in there on the four check as well you've just lost some of the personnel of guys that do that and that's where you need a Bobby McMahon like if he's going to find a role on it this team it's going to be in that way David Camp is so smart defensively but he's kind of you know almost playing free safety on the four check a, a lot of the times trying to kind of be the high and responsible guy there so it's to me it's a little bit of, it, it's a little bit of a personnel issue but it's also you know the guys who are here can do a better job of it as well Leafs also 
I mean, just it's it's weird to parse like the eye test from the statistical analysis of this team, and this isn't even advanced stats. Like, just I mean, I mentioned it the other day. Leafs have allowed three or fewer goals in regulation mm-hmm. in each and every game going back to before the Sweden trip, right? The last time they allowed more than three goals in a regulation hockey game was the shootout victory yep. over the the Calgary Flames that preceded their best 60-minute effort of the, the season the on the back end. Game, <laughs> the greatest game ever played against the Canucks. And, and they quite factually only allowed one goal in regulation Against the Panthers team that I had a lot of negative things to say about. Mm-hmm. This is also a team that's capable of, without an incredible blue line, putting together some pretty good defensive hockey like they did for a month without Morgan yeah. Riley last season. Yeah, it's uh, it, it it is definitely a group that is capable of it, and they've they've shown it. It's just that's why I think this is exactly what it's they're the Raptors and them. The parallels are there of like squint, and you can kind of make whatever you want. Now this one's a little more baked in than the Raptors, but it's what I keep going back to. NHL. There's a lot of teams like this that are capable, but definitely have their question marks as well. Uh, Toronto Blue Jays are capable of, of winning a World Series. They were last year. Uh, the offense went wanting. They scored one run in two games against the Minnesota Twins. It's obviously an area of need headed into this offseason. And the options are few and far between. It's big fish at the very top of the pile, though. Let's talk to John Morosi of MLB Network. How's it going, John? Good morning, Ben and Brent. Uh, happy week before winter meetings and happy uh, week of Patrick Kane becoming uh, a Red Wing. Oh yeah. You knew I, it was coming. Of course. And we'll, we'll save that one for the end. Okay, John, you'll, you'll get your, very good. Sounds great. It was a tough loss for them at MSG last night. So I'm trying to, mm-hmm. to manifest some positivity there. So <laughs> yeah, but they're hanging in. Um, all right. So to, to the point about this, this blue Jays team, it feels like the area of need is, is obvious, right? This is a team that pitched very well and has so much of the rotation returning this season. And, um, the bullpen looks improved as well, and defe- uh, defensively, especially in the outfield, they're they're a great team. They they need to score runs, and you look at the available free agents. That's the one thing that it's it's hard to find out there, John. There's just not a lot of bats available. Do you see an obvious way for for the Blue Jays outside of Shohei Otani to demonstrably improve their offense this off season? Great question. I, I do think there are a few players out there who would address their needs. Uh, I think specifically, I look at Justin Turner potentially, if, if you're confident in his ability to play third base, that he's an option for you because he, I think, controls the strike zone in a different way than a lot of Blue Jays hitters do at the moment. Uh, Jamer Condelario was out there as well and someone that I, that I think there's a lot of interest in broadly across the industry. I do know the Jays like him. Uh, Jamer is the switch hitter, so he gives you a little more balance. The, the overall idea, though, if I would, I would say this about the Jays as they look towards next week and the winter meetings, they, they have to do a lot of work to just get back to being as good as they were last year offensively, and we know that wasn't good enough. Because still, as we speak today, Merrifield's a free agent. Kiermaier's a free agent. Chapman's a free agent. Uh, they obviously, over the course of the year, uh, brought in David Schneider, and, and perhaps he has a role to play again on the team in 2024. But they've got a lot of work to do to just get back to level. And then improving is another matter entirely. And I think that's part of the reason why you've heard some rumblings of, of perhaps uh, the Jays being at least open-minded to, to listening on on Bo Bichette or anybody else is because I, I think they have to get creative here. If if you're not going to be able to get Otani, 
And I, I tend to think that there's there are a few teams ahead of the Jays and, and the Otani sweepstakes in terms of just the, the probability of him signing with them. Then you're, you're going to have to get creative as an organization, uh, given there's not a lot of talent out there in the free agent market, at least uh, in terms of true impact bats. I, I do think that Jorge Soler would help. J.D. Martinez would help. Uh, I'm just not entirely sure how – how enamored any of them are with, with signing with the Jays. And so as a result, I, I do think that the trade market is, is an avenue that they're, they're going to have to pursue because I think that's where a lot of the, the value can be found. It's just a matter of are you willing to uh, part with someone of, of Bo's caliber or a pitcher to make sure that you're getting back value that would help you put together a, a broadly competitive club. So obviously we know they've they've been in on on Shohei and to your point like there are teams ahead of them but there are certainly a lot of teams behind them on, on the pecking order and you know there's been some reporting coming out that potentially for the new ultra premium seating with the renovated ballpark they could be asking for five year commitments and I just wonder if there is a if there's a impetus there to have to make a big sexy splash and you're not able to do Otani and you mentioned getting creative I do could you see a possibility, a world, a roadmap to a Mike Trout trade for this team where they say, okay, we missed out on Otani, and of all the mere mortals in baseball, of the gettable ones, he has far and away the most name recognition. I mean, you know, God love Cody Bellinger, but for a, you know, forget a, a baseball fan for a second, but, you know, your general sports fan, Mike Trout carries so much more name recognition there. Throw in the fact that if you're already looking to spend that money, I imagine the Angels, a team willing to take on a big bulk of that money would be a big part of what they'd be looking for in a trade. Could you see a possibility of the Blue Jays in, in the idea of, one, of course, wanting to improve their ball club, but also wanting wanting to make a big splash going about it in, in that route. Uh, of course, if they miss out on, on Otani, I, I would be very surprised to be honest I, on trout for, for a variety of reasons. Uh, obviously he's got a full no trade. He can go wherever he wants. I, I tend to think that he's, if he's moved, he has his heart set on either the Phillies or the, or the Yankees. Again, Mike has not told me that, but I would expect that just based on his, his geography, where he's from, the fact that he controls the whole process by by virtue of having a no trade clause, uh, that if you're going to leave Southern California, he's probably going to insist on going to either his hometown or the next town to his hometown. Uh, and just as, uh, as as a young father, that seems like the the most plausible path that he would take. Uh, there's obviously a ton of money left on his contract. He's missed a lot of time due to injury. There's the element of uh, even though artificial turf now is not what it was 20 years ago, how would someone who has missed a lot of injury time handle turf I, on, a, on an everyday basis? I, I, there's a lot of red flags there that suggest that it's probably quite unlikely at the moment. And, and to be honest, I, I go back and say one of the more beloved teams that the Jays have had in a, in a long time was certainly 2015, and and it was the first year back of a of a playoff run, and 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 Bautista was still in many ways at, at the at the peak of his powers or close to it, but it wasn't as though they had a team that had six Hall of Famers on it. They they were a team that was that were playing excellent winning baseball, and I think the the winning was what sold that team, mm. and and that to me is what would have to sell the new premium seats here is is putting together a really compelling team all the way around 
that wins ball games. I, I just I look at the universe of options and and yes, make make a play for Yamamoto, make a play for Otani, especially if you get a sense that both are, are interested in in your club. But I, I don't think the Jays are in a position where they can count on either of those things, which is why I've I've been really suggesting the trade route as, as a way to, to upgrade your club. If, if, if the idea is to, mm-hmm. to bring in some excitement, trade for Juan Soto, trade for Pete Alonso, do, do something like that, that. And I think, by the way, both of those possibilities are, are much more realistic than Trout and probably also more realistic than Otani. Uh, I, I think that they, because they control those processes, the only limitation there is how much the Jays want to get a deal done. And and for both Alonzo and Soto, I think they'd both sell some tickets and w- would immediately impact the club in a way that, frankly, addresses exactly what the Jays need based on how last season ended. John, I think you and I should take co-authorship of the the Pete Alonzo for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, trade idea. Right, we were on this months we, ago. We absolutely. I feel. I feel like we just talked it out on on a show uh, a number of months ago, and it, it it made sense to both of us. But I saw Anthony Castrovens throwing it out there on MLB Network the other day as well. Um, obviously, there's there's it's it's not a, a perfect trade, and and I think well maybe let's put it this way. Okay, so Vlad is obviously last season the inferior player to Pete Alonso, but he also has a year of uh, an extra year of control. He's a younger player. He has a higher upside, no doubt. I mean, say you were just talking about those two players. Pete Alonso is a pending free agent, but he is guaranteed to hit you 40 home runs in a season. Um, he's going to cost a lot, though, in free agency if you want to hold on to him, and he is going to free agencies. He's a Scott Boris client. But if we're just talking one for one, Despite the fact that in a single season, Alonzo is going to provide more value, or at least you feel more confident, I do at least, that he's going to provide more value for you in 2024 than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I still think the the Mets are getting better value. Like, who would have to sweeten the pot there? It, it doesn't feel like a one-for-one. One. It feels like if you're consummating that trade, Vlad, for Pete Alonzo, that it, it's the Mets that would have to some extra pieces. Do you agree? I do, and I, I think that you'd probably, at least as a, as a basic premise, I, I look at someone like Brooks Raley, a lefty reliever who's a pretty accomplished one, uh, and the Jays overall, I think needing to maybe get a little bit more left-handed late in the game as, as an option, Raley to me is, is a fit. And so if you go Alonzo plus Raley, that gets you closer, I. I I agree with you about the value of Alonzo being higher than the value of Vlad in terms of what the expected performance is. But two years is a in the way that algorithms are run and people in the industry look at trades. Mm-hmm. Two years is a it, it, it's a big difference two to one. It's it's a bigger difference for them than it actually uh, it might feel like for, for for fans and for those of us that, that watch the games. But I, I think that the premise is there, and and if if the Mets add enough. Uh, controllable pitching, and certainly there's always ways to add additional arms and, and, and make the deal worth the Jays' while, especially as they look at what maybe the top or top levels of their farm system look like and, and wanting to replenish a bit. I, the, the, the idea is there. Alonzo is unquestionably available. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know how. I, I don't get the sense that the, the Mets are making a ton of progress on that the, they're on the goal line of making a big trade with him. But 
I've, I've known David Stearns for a long time, the, the new president of baseball operations. Uh, I've known him since he was 18 years old, so who we went to college together. <laughs> and I, I just think that he, uh, he is not going to rule things out right now. I, I really would be surprised if, if he ruled out the possibility of trading Alonso when they're, when they're honestly nowhere on, uh, on trying to sign him long-term. So Alonso is, I, I think, very much available. Uh, you'd have to make it worth the Mets' while, and I, I do think that Vladdy would, without question, get their attention. Okay, what about Alex Bregman, who's got one more year um, with the Houston Astros, and the Astros obviously still very much in their window of contention, and they've also watched free agents just depart. Um, I don't know if you can continue to do that. Uh, they did it with, with George Springer, uh, much to uh, the Blue Jays' pleasure, who were able to sign him in free agency, but uh, uh, Alex Bregman owed over $30 million this this upcoming season. He also very much fits a position of need for the Blue Jays, is he one available? And 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 if he is, do the, do the Blue Jays have the pieces to go out and get him? I, I was told this week, and it's an interesting question about Bregman because uh, this idea gained a little bit of traction in the last couple of days, of just in, in terms of people talking about it. I I checked on it. I was told don't don't spend a ton of time on this one. It's probably not going to happen. Uh, was basically what I was told. Uh, I I think the Astros. Their focus is add a left-handed bat to replace Michael Brantley and and let's make another run at this with with our current core, um, and then perhaps they could make a move at the deadline if they if all of a sudden they fall out of it for some unforeseen reason, they could trade Bregman at that point. I I, I just don't sense that they are going to do that. Uh, so I would say is he available to the extent that. All players are available in the right situation. I'm sure he is, but I, I just do not get the sense that the Astros are really actively looking into this. I, I, I would say that Alonzo is much more realistic than Bregman, um, and Soto is probably even more realistic than Alonzo just because of where the Padres are mm-hmm. economically. Of course, the, with the, uh, the tragic passing of Peter Seidler, their owner, there's just there's there's a lot of uncertainty with the Padres to where I, I think a Soto trade is is becoming more likely, and I just don't see Bregman. I just don't see Bregman moving this offseason. Uh, so yeah, Soto makes sense for a lot of teams, like you know, baseball teams that are trying to win baseball games. That's uh, you, you add a player and want Soto's ilk. Uh, right. I, I, don't, I don't care about the short porch in, in right field, the Yankee Stadium, or uh, the short porch in, in right field at Rogers Center. It's just, Juan Soto is is full on Juan Soto again, and yes, he's going to head to free agency and yes he's going to break the bank there but for 2024 he's absolutely going to help you now we've seen these reports in, in the last couple of days that maybe even there's names exchanged between the Yankees and the and the Padres and and the Yankees have young players who have already reached the major league level I mean can can the Blue Jays play in in that in that sandbox if they do decide to go toe to toe with the Yankees in a Soto attempt uh, to to pry him out of San Diego it's a great question. I think that for me, the Jays would likely have to get creative. The Padres are trying to really thread the needle here where they've already got all this money spent. They had, to your point earlier, and I'm glad you brought in the season ticket holder idea with the Jays and keeping that in mind because we all have to remember this is a business. This is still show business that people want to sell tickets and get people into the seats. The, the Padres 
spent a ton of money before last season. And and there's a notion that they may have to reduce their payroll to to just balance things out a little bit. And I, I do believe that Soto is is one of the most available superstars on the trade market this offseason for the financial reasons as much as anything else. And, of course, not being able to sign him long-term, at least not so far, uh, with, with only one year left. So he is definitely out there. The Yankees definitely need him. I do believe the Yankees at this moment value him more highly than Bellinger. Of course, Cody Bellinger, a free agent, uh, very much uh, you know someone that that fits the Yankees, fits the Giants as well. Uh, Bellinger does, but I, I get the sense that the Yankees are more likely to trade for Soto than sign Bellinger, and and Soto just with that swing, the approach. I I think that the Yankees see him being the kind of player that they used to have a lot of, but suddenly don't anymore. The left-handed power was a real issue for them last season. So they're very motivated. Could the Jays put together a package that, that compares with what the Yankees can? I I think if they really get aggressive, they can, but I I would be a little bit surprised is based on what the, the Ross Atkins front office has done in terms of the way they value players and sort of the methodical way they do things it would be a bit of a surprise. And, and I think to, to make the larger point, which I think is important here about where the Jays are, whether it's the, those, the season ticket holders that you talked about and, and really landing someone that, that you could put on, the, uh, put on the, the cover of the ticket book, so to speak, the Jays are going to have to do things in a way that Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro really have not operated since coming to Toronto. That you're asking them to, to spend big, maybe a little bit irrationally, or, or put in some prospects that don't want to trade to get a Juan Soto. This has been a, a very sort of incremental front office, and this is not the offseason for that. Yeah. Uh, hey, we can all get out of our comfort zone a little. At least that's what people tell me as I stick with my routine. I live every day of my life and never uh, stray from my comfort zone. But other people uh, should definitely do that. Uh, I don't know how much out of his comfort zone it is, but I know you're very comfortable with it, John. Go ahead. Take your victory lap. Your wings got Patrick Kane. Yeah, I'm. Uh, so here we go. First of all, this is the most relevant they've been in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, last night, just here, you know, here at home in Michigan, I, I was just thinking about, you know, you were thinking about the Wings game. It was like it was appointment viewing on a weeknight in in November still, and you said you got to watch the Wings, which I just think for a while it, it didn't feel that way, uh, and and now it does again. So that that is just the top line point. They probably should have won the game, but the Rangers are amazing. Uh, Keandre Miller, love watching him skate. He's he's incredible. Um, so I think in general, Kane helps them, and, and I think the good part too is. And obviously Larkin's out for a little bit now, and hopefully he's back soon. But they, he, he at his best can certainly carry the load offensively. And obviously there's a, a massive asterisk there, but we just don't know how he's going to do coming off of the surgery. But the good news is for the Wings is he doesn't have to. And I and I would be curious to kind of hear what exactly, and can we all imagine what those conversations were like between him and Steve Eiserman mm-hmm. about the vision and and everything else? But I, I just think that he he helps them and has great potential to help them even more. But the good part about it is that with the way Dabrink is playing and the way the conference playing, I think defensively they're able to activate a lot from the blue line and score. He, he can carry them, but the way it looks, he doesn't necessarily have to. That's mm-hmm. a pretty good position. 
Yeah, feels like there's added importance to these uh, Leafs-Wings matchups. The next one coming in 2024, uh, January 14th. Red Wings are in Scotiabank Arena to play the Toronto Maple Leafs. They are tied on points with 25, and now the, the Wings slipping below the Leafs uh, for fourth in the Atlantic Division after playing one extra game yesterday against the aforementioned Rangers. Should be fun. Uh, John, always fun to chat. Thanks, man. Look forward to the conversations. And I'll tell you what, next week we've got hot stove uh, on very early there and, and central time zone. So I'll be up early. You guys just give me a call. I'll be, I'll oh. be out and about in the lobby in Nashville. I, I will not be on the, uh, the, the, the streets of Nashville late at night. I can assure you of that. I've got to, I, I got to be up early. So you can call me anytime. Okay. Love it. <laughs> we definitely will. Uh, as you well know. Uh, thanks, John. We'll talk next week. Sounds great. You as well. Have, have a great weekend, guys. Thanks so much. You too. There's John Morosi, MLB Network, getting geeked up for the MLB winter meetings next week. That just tells you the difference between like a scholarly Harvard journalist and all of our hockey men. Because mm-hmm. I remember talking to them all at the draft and it was like, well, you know, we got a little banged up at Honky Tonk last <laughs> night, but we're happy to talk hockey. <laughs> it just, I, I believe, I, I won't say who it was about, but it was uttered on the air of, I'll go see if I can scrape blank off the floor after this hit. Mm. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Might have been one of the co-ops. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. who could say? <laughs> who was there? I don't know. I'm sure. Pretty narrow list. I'm sure John likes to unwind. No, too. of course. No, of course. But like, he's there. For work is yeah, professional setting, and again, nobody like, has it more together than John. No, really, Rose. honestly, and again, it's like, do our hockey guys work? Yeah, of course they do. Uh-huh. They just also have to loudly be like, "I love a time. It's the best, dude." We got probably the two guys that are are you think about most as being straight laced, like when they're in a professional setting. This being so professional true. today, so we got Morosi, and then we got Ben Nicholson Smith later on in the program. That's who, true. I mean, yeah, maybe both of those guys will have rooms on the same floor. And they then, can, you know, at like 930 at night, shake hands. they're like, see you bright and early tomorrow for another day of work. Because that jerk Brent said one of us <laughs> sleeps in and we certainly can't have anyone thinking that. <laughs> All right. Time now for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Um, boy, New Heights podcast. Electric. The, the Kelsey brothers, they're monetizing this thing, much, at least in one way. Honestly, how much, I'm sure somebody's done like a CNBC report on it, or maybe I should bug my man, Mike Apple, as I'm, I'm keep I, saying, that I know I always like, want to just access like, the people at City well, News I did, 680. I did one time go up to a guy and was like, Hey, can I ask you a news question? He was like, I'll Google it. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> oh like, come on, God. that doesn't help. Okay. That did happen. But anyways, I do, I would actually love to know, like, how much money those guys have made, not off the field because they're both like football players, but just lean it. And there's no way to like cut it. It's this is this pool. This is that pool. But mm-hmm. just how much money have those guys made by leaning into the Kelsey-dom of it all? Because <sighs> yeah. remember when the Eagles won their Super Bowl, before they were the Kelsey brothers, it was like, oh, Jason Kelsey gave the like amazing speech. He was in that like get up and mm-hmm. people are like, he's going to be doing that at bachelor parties 60 years from now. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. He's going to be counting his kajillions of dollars is what he's going to be doing. He wasn't the the sexiest man alive, but no. he was in the running, right? Yeah, he was. A, he was a. It's like an. It's like honorary nominee or something like that. Okay, sure. I, I don't. I don't know if you get money for that, but like that's yeah. It feels like 
you know, Darren Ravel would talk about the the amount of, of exposure, like how much money that was worth yes. in exposure. What for his Q rating is now. Yeah. Anyways, they, they have a podcast, <laughs> which is like the number one podcast in the world it's become since well, Travis mean, Kelsey started right? dating yeah. uh, Taylor Swift. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. It happened, eh? Yeah. It's the number one podcast. I can't say that I've ever listened to it, like, no, it at all. It exists like... Can I be honest? It exists like a lot of podcasts I see on Instagram for me in clip form, but it's like, am I ever going to go click on that? Unless, of course, you... maybe it's good. I'm, I'm like, sure it I is. like the Kelsey's. I like the clips that I see. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Uh, I don't know how I feel about this <laughs> this clip we're going to play you from uh, Machine Gun Kelly. No, apparently, buzz in my ear. Tell me what it was, Azo. Apparently, he's just machine now. Just uh, they got rid of the gun. I think he's just machine. Just no, machine. Oh, okay. The article I'm I'm reading. I, they call him. MGK. Anyways. <laughs> no, please share more of your thoughts on Machine Gun Kelly with me, Ben. I don't have any. I anyway. didn't think so. <laughs> here's, here's Cleveland's own Machine Gun Kelly on the New Heights podcast. I'm sure you get asked this question behind closed doors a lot. I would be remiss if due to the nature of our friendship and just as a Clevelander that I did not insert this question Personally, okay. I don't even know. What's I will give anymore. you $500,000 cash upon arrival <laughs> just for shopping or whatever you want, as well as matching that same amount as a donation to both of our high schools, both Shaker Heights and Cleveland Heights, <laughs> as well as everyday breakfast and coffee delivery from my restaurant. Oh, oh if my you gosh. would just come home <laughs> and put on these colors right here. <laughs> You mother, you know that was the original dream, dog. You know that was the dream. Come on home, Trav. Come home, put these colors on, and rock the city. Mm. All right. I thought it was very funny. Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, I believe Machine Gun Kelly is being earnest or or machine or whatever or Machine Kelly, whatever he's called. GK. He's got. Got very blonde hair, and obviously, like it's funny to think about how little a half a million dollars would mean to Travis Kelsey, uh, especially yeah. if he's able to really secure the bag. Yeah, it's okay. So that that's all just fodder, fodder for what, what I think is an say. interesting thought experiment, and one that I've I maybe even vocalized on Twitter a couple of years ago. And it can be a sad thing. Like, it, it can, can seem sad. It can feel like the Irvin Santana thing where, like, hey, the Blue Jays, remember? The, the, oh, boy, the, do the, we. The Blue Jays players were Passing like, around the hat. Yeah, hey, how, who wants to give money back or give money towards the Irvin Santana free agency fund, which is embarrassing, right? But it is, I've always thought about this. Like, what if your, your fan base was so fervent to go get a free yeah. agent that, you started like a GoFundMe campaign, or what? You, like it's just a separate sure. pool of money, and I, I don't know how that would impact the CBA or whatever. But like, is there anything stopping just a fan base from saying, "Hey, here's a GoFundMe. We want Shohei Otani in this city. Mm-hmm. Everybody, how, how many citizens? So the Blue Jays have the fans that are in the city of Toronto, yeah. but ostensibly this national is team. the national team where there are 40 million people. Who could conceivably be everyone gives Blue a Jays fans? And I know there's babies in there, and there's <laughs> old people, and there's people that uh, yeah, there's also cajillionaires <laughs> in there, man. <laughs> so, what if we're talking about you know, hundred bucks from ten million? That's too many. But like, yeah, could you generate 
hundreds of millions of dollars in this fashion to entice a free agent to come to your city? Should you be doing that? Maybe not. Like, you should probably have the corporate owner that has the billions of dollars on hand that's also going to take your money when you mm -hmm. arrive at the ballpark yep. to give you the entertainment product. Yep. But, like... I don't know if it did tip the scales. Wouldn't you be tempted to, to give into that? Well, it's the difference. This is just the difference between the sport you think of first, and like when you use the example of Shohei versus the one I think of oh. first and foremost, where it's like, well, that that is embarrassing in baseball. Get the owner to pay him. Because there's no salary cap. Because there's no salary cap. But in hockey, it's like, why oh. wouldn't like why wouldn't there just tell me be why a Connor McDavid work. fund? Would tell me why it wouldn't work? Well, Where the, you're like Connor McDavid, the league honestly would somehow retroactively what, step in. Because, How? No, like tell me what rule it violates if Connor McDavid signs an eight or so. so I guess it would have to be a seven-year seven. deal, yeah. seven million dollar deal. Sure. To, to, to be a Toronto Maple Leaf, and then with the, the explicit citizens, understanding that he gets a hundred million dollars from the citizens of the Leafs. Tell me nation. why that wouldn't work. Well, Explain I mean, it to me, somebody. I mean, Kawhi and Dine didn't work, but they were we were offering like lunch for Kawhi. But the other thing about this is that you know, like you joke, this is college sports now. Like mm -hmm. this is how every yeah, but it was the yeah booster system. No, no, before, no. But but, but you've what, seen other NIL? things of like smaller schools who are like, hey man, like if we want to get anybody here, like mm -hmm. you own a car wash, you gotta yeah. sponsor these kids. So it's like this is becoming more a part of the world. And honestly, like the reason why it would never happen in my example is because. Connor McDavid would be shamed by the rest. This is a guy why, why, because, because this is a guy who w was reported to get 13 mil on his last deal. And he's like, okay, I'm sorry. I'll take 12, five. Mm -hmm. Like that's why it's dumb, but th I would love to see it. Oh my goodness. Please. I need to please. think more about this. I don't, it should just be a thing. We should start saving now for when <laughs> he's a free agent. <laughs> I, I, I hazard to, to, to think that it would, Probably not be an issue to raise a hundred million dollars from Leaf fans across the globe. Like okay, the other part of this, though, and I know, like we got to go, we got stuff to do. But could you imagine? You think guys hate a guy who is underperforming now? When it's oh, like sure. the, when it no no no, but no, it's like it's one thing when the team pays a guy yeah, and you're yeah. like, oh, he's coming up the cap. It's like. I gave a hundred bucks yes. to Connor McDavid. I would, it would be amazing oh, though, like God. to add that extra layer of accountability. Mm. No, I love it. I need I, it. I, I actually <laughs> need it now. I, I mean, can't go back again. The you, cat's out of the. The machine is out of the bag. No, it's it, and it's like you know. Oh, the Leafs have other ways to flex their financial might. You know, yeah, they they good. front load these contracts yeah. and and they spend all the money yeah. on the front office and they open know, the building in the summer. Teams are mad about that. I mean, this would be the ultimate. It'd be so good version of that. So good. Anyways, all right. Uh, it's Tiger Woods Day. We'll talk about Ooh. that. Get to the wake and rake as well next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gutting, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shame on you, Ben Dennis. How am I supposed to talk about anything else or quite frankly think about anything else today other than this hypothetical world where we basically have name, image, and likeness for professional athletes? I, I think it's a really interesting topic. I, I I feel like there's like six different interesting... Like I just threw at you before mm -hmm. the mic flicked on. 
And you ruined it by saying probably a soccer player. I was like, who in all the sport? Like, who's getting the – and you're like, obviously a the soccer bag, player. Yeah. And I'm like, Ugh, I hate that answer. I mean, sports I care about. Anybody – like, there is a, a a soccer team in Monaco. Like, it's like – oh. <laughs> Well, I've also heard of uh, other parts of the world where very rich guys are just doing yeah. kind of that exact uh, thing. I mean, where Cristiano we, Ronaldo is playing right now. <laughs> I think we just invented the piff. I think is, is what, just, what what just happened there. I think I think we did uh, invent it. But no, I was like I was thinking like just like who would be the most valuable of all time? Like what would Babe Ruth have gone for in 1921? Mm. What would Bo Jackson have gone for? Would there be baseball I think teams Babe and Ruth football actually teams? Went for well, ten grand or whatever yeah. it was. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but like it wasn't the people doing it, was no, it? It's no, true. Uh, the people had no money then. That's mm-hmm. why I think. But like. Bo Jackson, like imagine a football team and a baseball team bidding against each other. Like, no, I want to play baseball. Mm. No, football only. I need it. Oh, God, I could talk about that forever. Well, yeah. And, and what I think we need to think more about are the pitfalls and the reasons why it can't work. Yeah. You you hit on a pretty good one. <laughs> <laughs> kind of hard to trade a guy. Yeah. It's, and, yeah, you'd yeah, have but- to do it under the... Anybody that participates in this uh, has to have a no trade clause, I suppose, and has to. We ha- there has to be an no, understanding no, no, but that there's, there's no. Th- but there's like, but there's millions of parties that are involved in the no trade clause. Yeah. Like everybody has a key. Everybody who put into the GoFundMe gets a key in the mutual well, no move clause. Yeah, you gets to vote on yeah. on something <laughs> like that. Never mind. I'm all the way back. Imagine, <laughs> could just imagine. We now go live to Elliot Friedman, who is at the virtual boardroom wow. of, of GoFundMe Connor McDavid uh, shareholders. Sounds like a really easy uh, decision-making process <sighs> there. If yeah, perhaps millions of people are voting on 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 uh, hockey operations. You and I, you and I watch Succession. It'd be totally clean. There'd be never any problems. You know uh, what it would be board. like? It would be like. Those fake shareholders of the Green Bay Packers oh. actually having a actually say. Actually having a say. <laughs> Don't give those guys no any offense ideas, to Joe Bowen. I was going to say. Okay. Well, he'll tell you he's paid for more than just his. Like there's family members, so he's got. If there's votes, <laughs> he's got more than one. <laughs> yeah, it, it just. I mean, the player that came to mind that we, we talked about at the break was. Imagine you were the fan base that was like James Harden's a yeah. free agent. Here's another. <laughs> Two hundred million dollars. Yeah, and James Harden played out mm, a year, uh, more likely well, less. I was gonna say played <laughs> twelve like, games over six months. Here. Goes, nah, I'm, I'm I'm done with this town. Get, Get me. me out. Out. <laughs> You're like, but but I he just holding up signs in the club have that say I, for a month. Yeah, he's just holding up signs in the club that say I hate the fans. Never oh mind Daryl Morey. Oh. I, yeah. I, again, how can we go on without this being a thing now? It we'll have to find a way. I know. Yeah, I, I need somebody smarter than me to explain why it wouldn't work, and and why I shouldn't just start the GoFundMe at the conclusion of today's show. Because I've oh. never I've never actually participated in a GoFundMe. Okay. But I and forgive me if that's like a brand name and there's some other one sure. that's better than I that. I bet there are. Um, but like but it's like Kleenex. We know what you're talking about. Yeah. I think the way it works is that you commit your money and yeah. it does get deducted from your credit card or whatever. Sure. But like, if the thing doesn't happen, you get her back. You get it back. So what's to stop me from doing a fictional thing at the conclusion of today's show? Nothing. Uh, well, don't quote me on that, but I feel like nothing. Yeah, where I say, hey, if if you want, like, and, and be a you good know, bit for the show, <laughs> really, well, honestly, be wonderful. Would it be better than starting a feud with Nick Kiprios? I think I so. I think so much better because 
that like there's a there's a non zero percent chance that that thing takes off and it doesn't become like astronomical, but it becomes like a thing where people are like we should pass around the cap for Shohei. Mm-hmm. Nick Kiprios is a hundred percent just gonna give yeah, us right. the we Mad sh- Men of like I don't think about you at all. Yeah, the the Shohei one is more immediate. Like that's that's quite a run up to do. Yeah, a, a Connor McDavid one. I I know it makes more sense in a cap sport. Yeah. No, but like our, you our hit people, you hit on this. You have to our, do it. Now our, you have to follow through. Actually, are people putting their hard-earned money into a uh, a GoFundMe to land Connor McDavid for the 2026-27 season? Yeah, let's see how Edmonton shakes out. All right. Mm. Okay. Time now. For, listen, this is not I, the I, I, last like, time we're going like, to. Uh, but more on this. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to get back to this. I know. Don't, don't you worry. Time now for the Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. Why not start with the Toronto Maple Leafs back in action against the Seattle Kraken at home, trying to pick up that elusive sixth regulation victory? Right, you're never going to believe this. Uh, no, me, no, they're they're favored by a hefty margin. Shocker. Minus one eighty-two are the Toronto Maple Leafs against the Kraken, who are plus one fifty. The total in this hockey game is six and a half. Without uh, Mark Giordano, are the Toronto Maple Leafs? I'm going to take the under in this one. Leafs have been better defensively lately. Kraken can't score. Uh, Leafs, you know, they are capable, but they're not exactly a team liable to run it up either. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to take the under in this one. Minus 105, the number six and a half. I, I love it there. Maybe one day we'll get to, to have the Leafs as, uh, as not long, long uh, or big, big favorites. But today, under six and a half, minus 105. I love the under in this, this game, mm-hmm. especially if it's Joseph Wall getting the starting goal, which I expect it to be. If I was going to lean money line, this is, it's just so impossible to take the Leafs as favorites in yeah. any hockey game. And you're getting plus money for anybody mm-hmm. against the Leafs. Uh, the Kraken plus 150 would be the way that I lean in that direction. It's Thursday nighter. Not a bad one. NFC style as the uh, Seahawks in Big D to play the Cowboys, and it is the Cowboys minus nine point favorites at home. The money line has them at minus four fifty five. The total forty seven and a half. I like the Seahawks to cover here. I don't think that it'll be particularly pretty, uh, but that is my lean on this one. Cowboys are a good team, but they also have a tendency to let other good teams kind of hang around deep into games. I expect them to kind of scratch out a win, but give me the Seahawks points on a Thursday. How can you go wrong? Yeah, this is exactly where the the Cowboys stub their toe, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is when they start getting the hype. They yep. had the hype going into that Niners game earlier this season and completely blew up. And now I think the hype is back on for a Cowboys team that is maybe, again, down the the line when it comes to the Eagles, the Niners, but like right there as far as that third team maybe yep. in the NFC. This is exactly where the Cowboys uh, prove to you who exactly they are. And, yeah, and we thought they were. And not uh, a legitimate contender. So, yeah, give me, give me the points as is usually the case on a Thursday nighter. And that was the Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. When we come back, again, it's going to be hard to stay away from the we, topic well, that is rattling no, around in my brain. Stop. I'll do the tease. When we come back, we will present Sportsnet's very own Luke Fox with the greatest idea ever concocted in the history of sports. We'll do that next. Fan Morning Show. Ben Edison, Brink Gunning, Sportsnet, 5.9 The Fan.